Welcome to Dragon Time! Yay! one of the hosts of the show. Why don't, how come people don't ever say they love us? They we love Pal- you, Shelly! No, Shelly. always Pelham. There's like people outside with signs right now saying we love Pelham. It's amazing, right? Yes. I know, they want to get everything signed. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Every time I leave work, there is always like a group of people Pelham. and Pelham. they're always like, is that, oh my God, the door's opening, is it Pelham? It's not Pelham. Oh, it's Shelly. Shoot, it's Damn, they throw true. garbage at you. And then they're like, Shelly, Shelly! And I'm like, what? And they go, do you know where Pelham is? <laughs> like, I no, I don't know where he is. I'm, I'm not getting a keeper. tired of it. Uh, <laughs> I, see, I, that you say you wouldn't be a good dungeon master. That's all you need is to be able to improv like that and uh, throw that out there. Fun improv. That was all improv. You, you wrote that. Ahead that was of time. actually yes, I did. I've been working on <laughs> that's it for my real three life. Years. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Finally, I get a chance to do it. Does anyone have any idea how many episodes of Dragon Talk we've done? Seventy-five. Forty-two. No. I don't know. 142. I keep meaning to, like, count them up. Yeah. Well, first of all, welcome to Dragon Welcome Talk, to Dragon Talk. The uh, uh, official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Uh, that it was Shelly Mazzanoble. And that guy talking is Greg Tito. That's it. All right, yeah. we're done. Okay. Uh, and we have an amazing guest coming, Mike yeah. Harris. Chef, Chef Mike Harris will be here in person cooking for us. And oh, stop. Most of it we will be eating. Uh, thank God we have these pop filters so that you won't hear. No, I just heard that. Damn it. I can't do it. Never mind. I'm out. You can do this one by yourself. Um, yeah. That was the one thing that Kate did, uh, I think it was for a random character generator what? thing where she started making like mouth sounds and I like I threw down. No, that's gross. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. No, no bueno. And she no. was like, oh, I found the thing that annoys you. I'm like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I'm glad you're back because you would never make those mouth sounds, but no, you just you did. Were, I know, but not. I'm not going to keep doing it because you're a good person. I know that it annoys. We you. will lift you Ooh. up where we belong on eagles. eagles fly. <laughs> we really need to get Joe Cocker in here. We really do. And is Crystal he still alive? Gale. Are they still alive? Crystal Gale is. Yeah. I don't even remember if it was her that sang that. She plays D and D. I don't know that it was her. I think I'm, but anyway, Crystal Gale is still alive. She was coming to like around the Binghamton, New York area when I was home. No way, really. Yes, and or somebody had just seen her, and she looks amazing. Really? Oh my god! Wow. Like, where? What have you been doing, Crystal, for the last thirty years, other than like submerging yourself in the fountain of youth? Yeah, she's gorgeous. Is she uh, a lich uh, of she some kind? She must be. Perhaps using some illusion magic. Maybe there's definitely has to be some illusion magic. Yeah, it's like if you put on the certain sunglasses, you kind of see that her like her face is all like haggard, but like, <laughs> otherwise you're like, oh, she's fine. It's like yep. she's like in They Live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how was Binghamton? How was your vacay? Fun. Yeah. It was really fun. I went zip lining. That's adventurous. Yeah, and it's adventurous because I am not adventurous. No. I am actively afraid of almost everything. <laughs> but I've always wanted to go ziplining. Right. And I don't know why like that doesn't freak me out. I'm like, that just always looks fun. And was but it fun? It, it was. And it's not like – it wasn't like crazy like through like Costa Rican jungles or mm-hmm. like super high up. But it was like long enough and high up enough that like you definitely felt an odd sensation of zipping along a wire with a – weird harness on your body. That's pretty cool. And a helmet. Did you feel like you were flying? I did. I did it twice, actually. Neat. Um, you, it, like right after you did it and you went no, like back went up in once, line? No, I went once and then we were going to leave and then Bart came and he was like, I want to go ziplining. And it, the funny thing is that he was really scared. Mm. And he's like not scared of 
really and he jumps out of airplanes he does he scuba dives with sharks like he does all sorts of weird things he says things like earl earl he's not scared to say earl instead of url <laughs> really weird but and he, not courageous thing he was like i'm getting really nervous i'm like i swear to god you could jump off this platform and survive like right, it's the not harness. like we are, but also like we're not that crazy you probably like, you might break something but you're fine yeah He'd be fine. And then Quinn was there watching, and I could hear him going, don't chicken out, mommy. And that I'm gave like, you all Actually, the – Actually, Quinn, it's your dad that's kind of doing <laughs> his pants right now. Like, mommy's good. Nice. But, yeah. I like that. Have you ever done that? I feel like I've done, like, like a small version of it, but never a long, like, hundreds of feet uh, version of it. Yeah, but it, wasn't. it was a small version. I'm going to Florida uh, next week to – You are? Uh, and one of the things we're doing is going to the Universal Parks – uh, I have, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna do all the thrill seeking stuff. I want to get all the roller coasters out. And oh, do you I'm, like upside down roller coasters? I love all the roller coasters. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to. Uh, I don't think my girls have done anything extreme like that. So we're gonna I see how like much we can get in gonna, for the height limit type stuff. Love it. Yeah, I think so, too. They're a little thrill-seekers. But I'm interested to see, because it might be what what you experience, where I think they're going to like it, but they actually don't, you know? So, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be fun. No, I think they'll like it. I like... We're going to go on adventures together. Cool. Um, Maybe even go to the Hogwarts Express. Oh, I hope you do. Drink some butterbeer. Yep. Yeah. I think you have to do that. I'll bring my own alcohol to put in the (laughs) butterbeer. Spike in the butterbeer. Here you go, kids. For the authentic Hogwarts experience. Yeah. This is what you do. Um, all right. So uh, one thing that's really exciting that's coming out for Dungeons & Dragons is Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. You know, I kind of – I forgot it hasn't come out yet. It hasn't come We've out. It's coming out very soon. It. September 17th. It will be available everywhere. There's two amazing covers. We've talked about it a bunch, uh, so I don't want to go too much into the weeds. In fact, last episode uh, was basically all – In the weeds. All in the weeds. Uh, so if you with haven't Adam. listened to that, you should listen to Adam and Chris talk oh, all about – That uh, could be a good segment. In the weeds with Adam. Lee. In the weeds. I like being in the weeds. I wish his last name was Leeds. Yeah. Do you think he'll change it? I was just playing a uh, adventure, uh, which actually was a, a tie-in to uh, the beginning of Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And part of that adventure, uh, it was called The Map uh, With No Names. It's uh, on Adventurers League thing, so you can download this on Dungeon Masters Guild right now. Cool. Um, but one of the uh, kind of scenarios of that adventure is basically going to a restaurant that's experiencing in the weeds. Like, they're like... Super busy, and you go in, and you you have to kind of like talk to the clientele, and you're trying to find something in the restaurant. Oh my! But the whole God. thing I was describing, like, oh, the way this is being described, oh yeah, everybody, you ever worked in food service? This, they're all in the weeds. Very stressful. They have no idea what's going on. They're overtaxed. It uh, reminds uh, me of Restaurant Wars on Top Chef. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like that type of thing. That would be very stressful. Yeah. So it was a fun kind of thing you don't normally see in a D and D adventure. I don't want to role play that. Let's bring them back some bad memories. Well, you were saving them. You were saving them good. from being in the weeds. So that's it, good. Kind of helped. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, my character was like peeling potatoes and and uh, uh, you know pouring ale and stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it was really cool. Where did I get on that tangent? Oh, because you were saying in the weeds. Uh, so yeah, we got in the weeds on Descent into Avernus. We also announced a new book. What is that? Eberron. Eberron. Rising from the Last War. Uh, Eberron colon. We're, like, in, we're into the colons now. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, this book is 320 pages of nonstop Eberron action. <laughs> What? Uh, and it's a different world. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it uh, is a new setting or, or a newish setting. It's probably the newest setting that has been released for Dungeons and Dragons because I think it came out in like 2003 or something like that. Um, it's the first setting I ever played in. It's totally different than a lot of other settings because it uh, 
kind of set in a post-war uh, fantasy world that has used magic uh, pretty commonly. So, and and and, is, and magic is the basis for a lot of their technology. So they have like trains that run on lightning spells. They have airships. Um, they have a little bit more modern feel yeah. uh, or industrial, you know, re- post-industrial revolution feel to the societies. Um, and uh, that the best example is that is Warforged, which are a sentient construct race, essentially, that was created hmm. for use in the big, huge war conflict. Uh, but now that the war is over, there are all these Warforged around that have sentient life that are trying to find their place Aww. in our that society. It makes me feel sad. It is sad, but it's also really, uh, I think, uh, you know, rife for storytelling. Are like, right? people taking care of them, or are they just like, pfft? They aren't just like, pfft. yeah, Aww. exactly. And so they're trying to deal with 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 that as well as the fact that they were trained, trying to like reacclimate into society. Yeah, and they don't I know. know how to do that. I know exactly. So what's oh. interesting to me about Eberron, it's got all these fantasy tropes and things within it, but it also deals with a little bit more of a uh, uh, you know a more modern take of of, of issues that uh, yes, uh, it is very some of the medieval based storytelling doesn't tackle parallels a lot of truth in today's world for real veterans be how it's hard for them to react yeah exactly right <laughs> um so i think that's really Adopt fascinating a Warforged. and there are uh as i said 320 pages worth of material in this new book Wait, say that again 320 you really did say 300 yeah it's our the biggest size book that we put out there. they're usually like two fifth yeah six or something that's yeah huge. exactly that's right? really big it's really big right it's like three four more signatures of, yeah. of, of pages in there all right um so it's got tons of information for players. You can uh, create new uh, characters that uh, uh, are based on the races that are in the player's handbook but have their own, like, dragon marks. So they have, like, different powers that you can use in that. There's uh, The Warforged is in there. There's a brand-new class, the first class that we've released really? for Dungeons & Dragons since it came out uh, in 2014, since this fifth edition came out, the Artificer. <gasps> People love that. People love it. It's pretty cool. There's three subclasses uh, included with that uh, uh, artificer. Um, the alchemist, the artillerist, and mm. the battlesmith. Going to want to play that. Going to want to play that, right? Going to want to do all because that. Because they mix magic with uh, invention uh, in how they, they, the alchemist they do stuff. Cool. Yeah, exactly. So very fascinating. I love that that is in there. Uh, there's also this one really cool thing called a group patron. Uh, it's mechanics for your entire group um, that allow the dungeon master to have your group have a, a place in this this kind of more modern society that I've been talking about, right? So you could be like a, a group of university researchers or a group of uh, uh, reporters for a newspaper or... You oh, know, that's cool. And there are all these mechanical benefits for the group having this patron beyond... You know, patrons have been around in the game for a long time where they're like quest givers that you go to over and over again and they may provide you with resources, but here it's codified into mechanics and uh, kind of um, background features uh, that can get added to your character, which I think is super cool. That is very cool. And then, of course, there's tons of Dungeon Master-focused material that's all about uh, Corvair, the continent that all the action takes place in Eberron. I think that's a huge, huge section of the book. There's also a more specific gazetteer on the city of Sharn. I remember Sharn. Sharn, right? My my first adventure took place in Sharn. City of Towers, I believe, right? Uh, Fun note: a lot of the music that we use here on Dragon Talk was created for the City of Sharn source book in 3.5. Well, we know we should always have a soundtrack to go with our. We, I know, right? It's not a bad idea. Um, we, well, now we know all these musicians. We kind of got to tap them for more of this stuff. All right. Um, 
So that is all really cool. That book comes out on November 19th. Um, there is an alternate cover uh, as well as a standard cover uh, for that. Um, so look for the alternate cover only in game stores, and the standard cover will be available everywhere. The um, November 19th is a pretty big day. It is a big day. A what lot. else comes out on November 19th? Dungeons Shall and they? Dragons versus Rick and Morty. Um, it is, I just love it so much. You know, I've been um, do, reviewing some proofs of it. Yeah. And I would just sit there and just laugh, and I'm laughing, and I'm laughing, because it is like, you don't even have to know, you don't have to be a Rick and Morty expert. You're just going to laugh, and you're going to have a good time, and you're going to be thoroughly entertained. That's great. It's so funny. I don't know much about history. I don't know much about Rick and, <laughs> Rick and Morty. Uh, so I'm excited to... You don't have to. Yeah, right? I mean, I've read the, the, the D&D comics, and yeah. I've read the, um, you know, some of the stuff that you guys have been putting out for this, and I'm, it's, it's very exciting to kind of have that really be my fun. end to it, right? Yes. And I think this opposite is also true. Like, Rick and Morty fans will oh. learn even more about D&D. There's, it's, like, so true to the brand. There is, like, all the in-jokes, because the people who worked on it are... Diehard Rick and Morty fans. Mm-hmm. It was like a beautiful world's coming together. I love it. And it's just like, of course these brands belong together. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They really do. They're, I think Patrick Rothfuss said it best in the press release oh, for yeah. the first uh, uh, comic issue where he said, it's, we're going to get some chocolate and peanut butter up in this piece. Yes. I'm paraphrasing, of course. but You did. It, uh, uh, it works out good. And it's delicious. It is delicious. Yes. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, I like that we've actually set up our release dates to be very in sync, right? In fact, Justin Timberlake N-Sync. is going to make it in sync as well. Yeah. Um, but right, because we also on September 17th when Battle uh, for Baldur's Gate comes out, right? Say that again. Battle for Baldur's Gate, September. the Dungeon Mayhem. Yes. Did you say September or September November? 17th yes. and November 17th. And you know what we got today? What? Samples of? What? Battle for Baldur's Gate. You did? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, I want to play it's it. It's so cute. Okay. And also, <laughs> okay. Um, however, Quinn said, I want to be the first person to play the new Dungeon Mayhem. Oh, is he going to be the he first person? He, I'm like, what? yeah, you can be, because I'm not going to explain playtesting to him. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, he's super into Dungeon Mayhem. That's awesome. My my, uh, I think I, I said this previously, but Edna recently, after playing with people at camp, was just yep. like, "Hey, let's play." And I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." It is. She's like, "I'm really good at this game." I'm like, uh, yeah, was, she, "Was she? Yeah, she kicked my butt." Did you? We, did we? We did talk about this, but not on Dragon Talk. Did yeah. you let her win? No, no. I tried, no, I I tried my hardest. Yeah. In fact, we had a uh, a reporter come into the office uh, here, and right. uh, we sat down and played Dungeon Mayhem, and I kicked her butt. <laughs> we played like four matches. I think I won three out of four. Really? Yeah. She, yeah. What, she was like, I got to play until I win. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, but we got to try all the different characters, but we didn't get to try the new ones. Because so we didn't have them then. Yeah, exactly. We just got them. Literally hot off the press. Uh, so yeah, so let me make sure I'm getting all the audio right on this. So uh, all those Baldur's Gate products come out on September 17th. Yes. And Eberron and uh, Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty, the boxed set, comes out on November yes. Ni- 19th. Yes. 19th. Seventeenth yes. and nineteenth, yeah. you know, you get the, they're interchangeable so as numbers, the, right? When you are in the the store and you're buying Descent into Avernus, go just find that Dungeon Mayhem, and it's just like this tiny. It's just a cute little two pack, two new character expansion pack. Wait, two pack, isn't it? Sorry, two pack is one of the dogs. <laughs> Easy E is one of the others. <laughs> See it, Rob? I, I believe so. I don't know why yes. he just popped into my head? You know, because you're West Coast. West Coast. Yeah, best coast. Uh, anywho, those are all uh, coming. We will 
obviously have more um, interviews and information about those products coming up as they yes. are coming out, right? We should yes. do one just on <clears throat> Dungeon Mayhem. We should. As well as on the, uh, the Rick and Morty. So oh, look for those in the we future. We might have to do two on the Rick and Morty. We're going to have to do four. Uh, All right. Eight. Let us. Let's do it. Listen to some lore that you should know. Okay. Let's make some bing bongs happen. Bing. Charn, 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 charn. That was the vocal, that track that was taken out. <sighs> Welcome to another Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tudor, and I'm joined by... Adam Lee. Adam Lee is Hello. here. Uh, this is where we talk about certain bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore for your own... Information as well as perhaps practical application, especially with this one, as we're going to deal with a subject in the newest adventure that's coming out for Dungeons & Dragons on September 17th, Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. Uh, This topic is creatures, vehicles... Mayhem. Mayhem (laughs) that you might meet on uh, the ninth layer of Hell, Avernus. Or I guess the first layer. I was doing it backwards. (laughs) Uh, the first layer, uh, Avernus. Um, so uh, one, one of those big things is the infernal war machines uh, that we've talked a little yeah. bit about uh, on, on various uh, incarnations of this podcast, but also through uh, our adventures during D&D Live. Yeah. Um, so uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what those are and, and what they were originally made for? Yeah, so infernal war machines, um, they... So Avernus is embroiled in the blood war. And uh, since uh, demons are forces of chaos, they, they just ramble in, they come in swarms and hordes, and they, they have you know, no cohesion. They're just whipped onward by their demon lord, you know, tyrant masters. Uh, devils, on the other hand, are lawful aligned, and they, uh, they have structure, and they have legions, and they have you know, armor and uniforms, and they, and they do things by the book, and they also um, build stuff. And out of this uh, fight, there, you know, one of the, the big problems devils have had is like, how do we deal with just massive swarms of, of demons coming at us? And one of the things they invented were these infernal war machines that they've built out of iron and hellfire. And uh, so they just have these massive, giant, you know, demon slaying battle machines that they just hurl at the demons and obliterate them in, in droves. What do they, um, what do these things look like? Uh, um, they look like towering. Um, some of them look like inverted, almost like inverted pyramids, mm. or like giant claws, like that come down and the the big hook part of the claw rakes the ground just Ooh. with a screeching sound. And they're um, you know filled with fire and they're powered by souls. Uh, yeah, it's gross. Um, and and like one of the the giant infernal war machines they have a they have a, an exhaust with like soul residue like Ugh. kind of spews out from the back as it goes along so so consequently because of this massive blood war and the smashing these machines and some of them get taken down by just demons crawling the side just hordes them and they 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 take this machine down it that creates a massive wreck and from this wreck other uh, denizens of Avernus who aren't devils necessarily, they may be other kinds of fiends or they may be extraplanar travelers that are there, they have um, come in, taken uh, salvage from these infernal war machines and built their own uh, sort of 
smaller types of machines from them that are more like wagons or cars or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, and these ones they've used to race around uh, Avernus and do their own um, do their own thing. They're, they're, they've got their own economy. They've got their own um, agendas. And they've kind of developed into warlords. Um, because Avernus is, has the blood war, it's, it's engaged in this endless, endless uh, conflict. And that conflict requires armor. It requires weapons. It requires, um, you know, all, all manner of magic items, things to, f- to keep this battle going. And because of that, there's money to be made. Mm. So these warlords um, service the the devil legions. They can also um, do deals back and forth between extra planar powers and the the, the arch devils of Avernus or the pit fiends there. So there's all this these dealings go, coming and going, and it's basically like a giant war machine, a giant war profiteer system that's happening. Mm. So these warlords are becoming profoundly wealthy. Uh, they're uh, or, and when you if, say wealthy, though, they're wealthy in soul coins. Uh, there, it depends. If the if the warlords are fiends, then sure, then they want to amass soul coins so that then they can do deals with the devils from the different layers of the nine hells. Um, or if they are extra planar travelers, but they're just kind of they're warlords um, down in Avernus, but then they have other deals somewhere else. They might trade for gold. Mm. Um, devils have really no use for gold. It's not like a big deal other than the fact that gold can tempt mortals. Right. And, and so devils will keep a nice stockpile of gold on hand if they get a greedy mortal that comes down and they want to do a deal. Um, so, so these warlords are wheeling and dealing and they have different agendas. Some warlords might not be interested in the blood war, but they might have taken uh, these and salvaged their own infernal war machine and made their own fleet um, in order to stand their ground against the other warlords who might raid them and take their stuff or, you know. So there's this, there's this um, tension between the warlord clans or tribes or gangs or whatever that are, that are in there. And uh, when, you, when your players and the characters come down there, they kind of run into this thing that's already ongoing. Right. And they kind of land into the middle of that and then mayhem and intrigue ensues. Because it was it's all even though it's a system, it's a it's a chaotic system to a certain extent because uh, you know, one warlord could depose another and then sure. all of a sudden that can upset any yeah. kind of deal that was going on and then new deals have to be struck or, you know, uh, they're fighting for the same resources, so they might compete against each other, that type of thing. Sure. Right? Yeah. And and also like, you know, you could be down there and, you know, uh, you don't know who to trust. Um, and, uh, you know, a crafty warlord might see you as sort of being like Dorothy in the land of Oz and then say, oh, here, here we, here we go. Um, now we're going to use this person to get this, or you might meet a warlord who actually kind of says, you know, you're, you're an honorable gang of fighters and you could join my band. You know, um, you might have a group of players that are like, they find their own war machine and are like, Hey, we could be warlords too. Yeah. Like, let's, let's, let's get in on this thing. Um, or they could be, uh, you know, get their own war machine and, and decide that they're going to be the warlord that wipes out all our other warlords. You know, it's, so there's an, an, any number of ways that this story could go. 
and uh, yeah, very D and D type thing. So, oh what what are some of the uh, the warlords that uh, folks might encounter? We saw some of them uh, during the D and D Live Descent yeah. to Avernus storyline. So, so you got uh, Mad Maggie. Is, Mad Maggie is one of the you know Jeremy Crawford played oh my gosh. Uh, her very well. I'll and, never and, see her another way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I love that he was also very well dressed. Yeah, uh, as Mad Maggie because yeah. I was like, oh, that's a wonderful juxtaposition of, yeah. of, of what she might look like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Mad Maggie is there, and and Mad Maggie's got her own sort of um, gang with her uh, of different characters that you can meet. And she's um, a hag, right? She's a night hag, yeah. Night so hag. she's a fiend, um, and she's got her agenda. And one of the things that she loves is to, well, I mean, night hags thrive on nightmares, and they thrive on you know terrible feelings like most hags do. But night hags just seem to have this extra sort of desire for to create to feed off of nightmares of, of other other beings. So, mm-hmm. um, and in uh, Avernus, uh, nightmares are generated by the by the moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so sh- what better place for a night hag than this this realm? So when you get down there. Um, uh, she, you know, you encounter her and she kind of helps you out. Um, but there are things that you need to do for her. And there are also some circumstances, people that you have in your party that, uh, she is very interested in mm. with, with memories and, and, you know, painful memories. So, um, so, so she's got her own agenda. She does. What, and, uh, what are some of the other warlords that, that so, have different ones? Yeah. You've got, uh, Ragadraga and, um, you know, Ragadraga is, is, wants to be the king of everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's, he's a werebore and, uh, Kate Welch played him great. So <laughs> gave him a, a New Zealand Kiwi accent. So yeah. it was awesome. And, uh, so yeah, uh, Ragadraga's there and, um, and Ragadrag is pretty much just sort of like just straightforward, like, oh, I'm going to just, I want to rule everything and kick ass. And, and so, and also get married to Mad Maggie, I think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think that was Kate's own uh, riff on it, yeah, which was great. Oh, so. that's not in the adventure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that could, that could certainly happen. Um, uh, what are some of the others? Um, there, uh, uh, Princeps Kovic. Um, oh. yeah, who is uh, this sort of, um, sort of necromancer kind of uh, character and uh, very sort of aloof and distant and strange and uh, you can encounter that one and uh, um, and then what was the other one? Smiler? Uh, well, one? the Smiler, the Defiler. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Smiler is, is yeah, an Eladrin that, oh. uh, yeah, you... Uh, that person, yeah, Smiler's oh, very twisted. So, yeah, <laughs> tell us what, um, why why are they twisted? Well, uh, well, let's see. I can actually uh, read a little section here from. Uh, oh right, Smiler. we have, we yeah, have we they have the book have the in book. front of us. It makes it yeah. uh, even more lory. Yeah. Oh, Smiler the Defiler. Oh gosh, where? Yeah. But, so Aladrin is is interesting because they are uh, not necessarily extra planar beings, but uh, you know, usually are. Associated with uh, elves and fairies, and and uh, uh, in in something you wouldn't uh, associate with the the fiends of Avernus. Yeah. So um, yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. The uh, adventurer uh, Smiler came from the Feywild. Got stranded in Avernus when he was abandoned, mm. um, and he spent the past seventy years roaming Avernus, making deals with fiends to survive. And he eventually sold his soul to a pit fiend who gave him the means to topple a Nykaloth warlord named Yarasto. So, yeah. So you can, um, if there's uh, three rivals that Smiler has, um, Bitterbreath and, and Princeps Kobek and, and another one called Feonor. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can, um, you know, once you encounter one of these characters, then you're sort of locked into a story with all the other warlords. Right. And so you know, once you, you know, meet Smiler, then, then it's like now, now you're, you're embroiled in sort of their drama. Yeah. And that can last as long as you want. I mean, as, as a DM, you can just be running that and, and have that be a big part of your campaign. Yeah. And uh, uh, dungeon masters can use uh, some of these warlords in there, but they might also be inspired just to create their own based yeah. on on these templates, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you could you could uh, you know see some of these, yeah, and, and then be um, from there just just like, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was one who was connected to this other part of the adventure? You know, you read um, maybe Bell, who is a, a person or a pit fiend you can encounter down here. Yeah, like oh, this this warlord could be an even more sort of connected to Bell and, and lead into that into that part of the adventure. So And isn't uh is Bell the entity that created the Infernal War Machines? Uh no, I don't believe um I think the Infernal War Machines have, are the you know, the uh, yeah the Infernal War Machines have been around for a long time. Um uh, Bell does run a forge. Mm. Um and I don't think we've said that that he is sort of the inventor of these things. Um so but conceivably, yeah. yeah. Conceivably, yes, he could. Um, but um, Bell, you know, being the former uh, ruler of Avernus, now you know he's been relegated down to being a pit fiend, and, yeah. he's, and he's really pissed about that. So, <laughs> and so now he wants to get back, and, and he has his own plan um, that uh, that you know when you encounter him, he's going to try to. Um, sort of convince you that his plan uh, will work and help you out, and so uh, yeah, that's I, I love that uh, uh, the um, dramatization of Bell too happened at D and D Live with oh, yeah. uh, uh, with Gil uh, uh, Ramirez being playing as him as as doing the forge and everything oh, yeah. like that, and <laughs> offering the deal to uh, oh, to yeah. the folks in the D and D Live uh, that was epic a, that was yeah. being played. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah, that that whole cosplay was just so cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thoroughly. Um, okay, so we uh, talked about uh, the fact that player characters might find their own Infernal War Machine or, you know, steal one of the Warlords and, and yeah. adapt it for them. So what's some of the, the ways that you can customize this, this War Machine? So, yeah, there's, um, there's plenty of uh, different ways to customize Like each War Machine, um, when you're on it, they have stations. So you have a driver who drives it, and there's all these mechanics that sort of support you as a driver. You can do do cool stuff. And then there are battle stations all around the war machine, depending on how big it is. Because we have uh, like two-seater war machines that are just kind of like little motorcycles and that kind of go to sort of a mid-sized car and then to maybe something the size of a bus. Mm. Um, And each of those war machines, the bigger they get, the more sort of weapons they have on them. And then um, once you're on a war machine, you're like, as you as party members then can split up and sort of, you know, grab these weapons and and then use them to you know, smash other <laughs> people who are chasing you. So, um, so the standard war machines come with things like wrecking balls and giant chompers on the front, and like <laughs> maws, like steel maws. You can crush your foes. Oh, that's cool. um, some will, um, you know, have uh, God. What are the other ones? Um, I think there's an acid sprayer that oh. you can shoot uh, jets of acid. But um, there are the traditional ones that every war machine comes with, but then there's uh, sort of additions that you can have. Um, and uh, 
one's called an Infernal Screamer. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so that one is, in fact, I can look that one up. But, but what it is basically is this, this just sort of wax sort of effigy of this like tortured soul and it's just melting constantly. And if you crank a crank that's coming out of its back, it does psychic damage through a scream. Uh, so there's things like that. Like you can trick out your war machine and just put all these different weapons. Oh my gosh, so it's almost like a, a, a siren, like yeah, an old like, school siren or something like that, but it's one yeah. that's of a, of, a, of a screaming soul in hell yeah, that yeah. psychs you out. Ugh. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's, yeah, it is just horrifying stuff. Um, but um, you can upgrade its armor. Um, every war machine, like... We have a thing called a damage threshold where if you, you know, the damage threshold might be 40. And if you take less than 40 points, it just bounces off. Yeah. So it's something to has to really punch through the armor before it can actually damage the, the war machine itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can upgrade that armor with all different kinds of stuff. Like, um, you know, some of them can be, um, we have uh, Canian armor, which is, um, you know, this this metal mine from the the level of uh, I think it's the uh, eighth level of hell, Kenya. Okay, uh, maybe I don't know. Check but there's a, there's a metal that's but native yeah, to that to, to that layer to that layer that's been mined, and if you get that Kenyan armor, it it actually helps your you know it increases the the the, sure. the defense of your war machine. Um, there's you know gilded death armor. There's soul spike armor. There's all these different kinds of uh, cool armors that you can get on it. Nice. Um, magical gadgets like uh, necrotic smoke screens, and you can have a teleporter. Oh can, no way! So and so we give you these these cool like um, ideas, seed ideas. But then really, sort of where the fun is is that you can invent your own. So you can invent your own kind of weapon, and what would that look like? And um, you know, your own kind of um, magical gizmo that you can put on your war machine to make it do something cool. Yeah. Um, so and you mentioned there's mechanics about being a driver and, and how to 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 uh, use this vehicle in combat, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so you know each war machine has um, you know the helm. And, uh, you know, you have, uh, you have a whole bunch of a series of things you can do. You can have actions. So you can do a drive action. Your bonus action is you can turn it on or shut it off or you can, um, you can make it dash and disengage. You can do all that kind of stuff with your war machine. Um, and then anything else you can imagine you can do as, as a driver. So um, when we did early play testing on that, we were, you know, we got into this point of like, well, the driver doesn't want to just like, well, I'm driving this turn, you know, like, yeah. well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm driving again. So <laughs> we're like, still driving. Yeah, still driving. So we're like, okay, we've got to have something fun for the driver to do. So there's, there's, um, you know, different, uh, you know, now, now it's like we, we got it into where like, um, you can pour demon icor into the engine and doing that sort of turbocharges your war oh, machine. It's like your nitrous. Yeah. And uh and, and so it is it's a risk um because you have a chance of overclocking your, your engine and blowing it up or having some kind of mishap happen. So we oh. have we have a mishap table and, and you know with things that can go horribly wrong. And uh, you know, you know, um, you know, and, and then as you're driving through, it's like, what's the terrain look like, and how do you how do you navigate that terrain? And so, I love that yeah. we've um, we've kind of stealth designed uh, car wars, yeah, <laughs> for uh, for fifth edition here. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that is like um, like Ari Levich and uh, Sean Merwin, Will Doyle, and James Intracasso. They all pitched in, um, and and 
other people who play tested with us, um, Sean Wood, Chris Lindsay, like the list goes on ever onward. And, uh, but, uh, but those, those people, and especially they, they really were the ones who did all the heavy lifting on, on coming up with the cool mechanics and fun. That's so for cool. Yeah. So yeah. I love, I love, uh, this so much because it melds the lore of the story of having these warlords who are using their own war machines, uh, with, uh, the fact that you can participate in that system as much or as little as you want, yeah. right? Like, or as much yeah. as your players' characters want or as little as they want, yeah. right? You know, we've had, um, you know, people come to us, uh, uh, you know, not even knowing this, but just what we've released, uh, talking about it so far and wanting to just create like amazing race type, yeah. type content and things like that where they're like, oh, we can just use this little subsystem and blow it out up as much as possible. And I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, that was, that was the one thing as, as, as we started, you know, going deeper into it. It's like, I mean, at that time when we were coming up with this story, you know, Fury Road came out, and of course, that was just sort of the the inspiration for this thing. And we were we you know, were we were like, can we can we do that? You know, you know, we're like, yeah, sure, we can. It's like, but can we, you know, do it so it's it's fun and it's it's you know pared down and it's not like Perkins did a great um, the dinosaur race in mm. Tomb of Annihilation, very you know just this great mechanic and this great sort of way to do a dinosaur race and how fun was that you know it was like i mean there was this huge book that got created and and so many stories were just like the dinosaur race you I know exactly the mayhem that yeah. ensued when and that he, happened and even in the um, the ak inc game you know yeah. it was just like the dinosaur race like yeah. do we remember anything else what what else happened in that that adventure? i don't remember it's anything like, else but just with like rothfuss stuck his hand up the rhino's butt and they just took <laughs> off and, and like it was just you know that was it but that's that simple uh elegant mechanic um just created so much story fun. And so, you know, with this, this is a bit more robust than, than that mechanic. But, you know, the, the, the end goal was like we want to have – we want to create that Fury Road feeling where you've just got this – you're on this hellscape and you're in these wicked machines and you're just like racing at each Bearing other. and down at super yeah. high speeds, which yeah. is it's not the type of uh, t- uh, thing you do in a Dungeons & Dragons adventure no. very often, right? So no. it's like if you're going to do it, let's, let's blow it up and make it as – yeah, fantastical as possible, and I yeah. think you guys did a good job with it. So cool. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I I can't wait for players to uh, meet some of these warlords, and encounter uh, some infernal war machines, and hopefully get that that um, uh, vehicular envy uh, yes. that that many people have uh, and uh, want want to pilot their own and start their own warlord gang in. The first I look forward to the stories, yes. I love it. Uh, <laughs> how can people get in touch with you to ask you more about this amazing mechanic? Yeah, um, I'm at Adam of Adventure. Sweet. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll be back with another Lore You Should Know segment uh, next week. Excellent. Yay. Woo-hoo. That was a really good, uh, lore informative bombs. segment. Lore bombs. I got lore bombed. Me too. And I'm lore bomb. Are you feeling it's all right? Than I got lore bombed last night, so I'm a little bit lore sick today. Oh no, I think it's setting in. <laughs> uh, oh, so much. Lore. You know what is really lore good hangover. to combat a lore sickness? An interview and a delicious meal of uh, salty and oily things. Yes. Yes. Oh, right, salty. like a brunch, like oily. a brunch. Yeah, you know, that's why that's why people have eggs and things is to to get those things back in your system right. to recover from the yeah. the other things that are in your system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right, so let's go. Chef Mike's going to cook it up. 
we're not we're selling this to this is to, not a cooking show. It's not a cooking show. There's no food being There's served in this. Just talking room. happening. Um, Chef Mike Harris here. Yes. So excited. It's on my bucket list to visit this building. So <gasps> here you I can are. Scratch that bad boy off. It Very is. excited. The bucket has been yes. slain. Yes. Boom. Bam. I rolled well. You did. <laughs> so that how, 20. how many more things are on the bucket list? I like hundreds of things oh, I'll okay. never get. It's like do an Iron Man triathlon. No. Nah, this is way cool. Yeah, right. be uh, you know. Yeah, I don't even know what's on that list anymore. Create a board game. That's going to take quite a while for me to do. Well, you're talking to the right people. Well, oh, yeah, this man. is true. This yeah. is true. You can, it, it does just take a create a board game. Yeah. I I'm feel a, like you can do that in I'm an afternoon. I'm definitely more of an idea man. And then the yes. you know the numbers and making sure it's balanced. I'll, I'll outsource that. I gotta, I'll you're hand the, that out you're the, Yeah, the concept. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I see it. I like that. That's, yeah. That's, uh, that's a lot of what uh, D&D players are about. Like putting the ideas forth and then, yes. you know. All just right. make it happen. Make just it happen. Just make that happen. Why don't I see what the difficulty is? I like that. So your background is as a chef. Yes, obviously professionally. It's in your name. Yes, uh, it is in your name. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He had no it's like, choice but to go into the culinary arts. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like, his thanks, mom. Chef. Oh man, well, you really? named me yeah. chef. So you're get... chef, chef, Mike. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Mike is his middle name. <laughs> yeah, that would right. be that would be pretty awesome. I uh, know. What is that joke from like Catch Twenty Two where it's his name's Major and he becomes a major? Major, so major. Ma- major, 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 major. Yeah, yeah. That's, awesome. um, that's you. Um, and I didn't realize that chef was like an honorific, like doctor or you know. It is like a, a title of distinction. So I do have a degree in culinary arts and culinary nutrition. Damn. Um, but I am not. You know, there are chefs out there that even in public setting, like you. You address me as chef. Yes. I'm also just Mike. I've you can call Chuck me just Mike, too. All That's right. quite all right. But. All right, just Mike. We're glad you're awesome. here. No, like just chef. regular old Mike. Chef Mike. <laughs> yes, chef. Um, but before you were a chef, you were a Dungeons & Dragons Absolutely. player. Absolutely. So I played a good bunch in, like, let's say 96 to 98-ish. So mm-hmm. I graduated high school in 2002. So it was like junior high through high school. Oh, then nice. I went, yeah. Then I went to college and got a little bit of away from it. Uh, but then the last five or so years, so I play in a 3-5 edition and I DM, I've been DMing for about a year and a half now, a fifth edition. Nice. Yeah, so. All right. Yeah, and I do probably, we do like once a month, but we do eight to ten hour sessions oh, once wow. a month. So we, yeah, we power through it. We spend a whole, you know, in our, in my basement that gets all stanky from, you know, People just sitting down there yep. eating pizza that's room temp because we ordered it earlier you and all that. Food? But, oh yeah, of you course. You don't. I'm busy doing the thing. Them? I can't be cooking. And we were, be, that was one of our. You know? We wondered if you do ever cook themed meals around your campaigns. Well, so in my game, it's if you bring uh, beverages, usually alcoholic beverages or food, I give you extra experience points at the end of the session. That's so everyone starts bringing all this that's stuff, a great idea. and we have too many leftovers. So it's like I'm making money. And acquiring <laughs> food and drinks by uh, being a DM, so it's pretty awesome. I like well, it. a good little as setup. As you should. That as is the pretty DM. Cool. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so. When you played uh, back when you were a kid, uh, what uh, what kind of what, what what drew you to it? What was your your your, your um, thing for it? It was I would always play with my brother and his friends, and oh, obviously cool. being the younger brother, I want to hang out with the older kids. Yeah. Um, but I grew up playing video games. My brother and I would play stuff like uh, Risk or even Axis and Allies. Hey, those first, are our games. But really, a big oh yeah, a big uh, influence on me was Hero Quest. Yeah. So I played that with my dad and my brother. Um, we were big Lord of the Rings fans and all that stuff. So it really was just like everything that I love 
a game and fantasy all in one. Um, I really enjoy the role playing part of it, being a character, creating the character, and stuff like that. So that really, really drew me to it. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. And then you started this three point five campaign. Yeah. What's that one all about? You're so, DMing that. Uh, I am playing in that one. Oh, okay. So this was another one. My brother. Um, we were talking about it. You know, four or five years ago, whatever it was. You guys still all live in the same area. Oh yeah. Oh, we're that's all cool. in Schaumburg in Schaumburg, Illinois. Schaumburg. Token. If you've ever seen the Burbs, it's basically where we live. I Are you serious? Love Chicago, oh, it's it's just suburbs. every. Everything's the same. Chain restaurants. Was was it filmed? In no, no, no. It oh, okay. But it looks like that where you look down the street and all the houses are the same, and it's like, oh, that's. A and you got like murderers murder. down the street. I hope and not. I haven't found any. I'm, I, neighborhood Watch is out. We're looking for it. That is one of my favorite movies. You just it is such randomly a great movie. Kind of, like, oh, God. the incubus, the succubus, <laughs> Ray. You're chanting, Ray. <laughs> you're right. t- <laughs> we'll quote movies later. I that's want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is my pal. High fives. Pow. Yeah. It's All one right. of those ones that it was in like the VHS rotation and back when I was a kid, and I was the like, "The Clopex." So it's such a great movie, and it's really Tom Hanks's last comedic role, uh, right? That he ever he did got real, real before serious? he went like yeah. straight into you know Forrest Gump in Philadelphia, but like he did that role, and then he's such a great, a serious actor now. It's not um, as popular as it should be. It's so good. We so get I'm everybody making me kind of want to watch it now. It's Holy fantastic. Shit. It's right. so hilarious. Yeah, and it holds up. Uh, Corey Feldman is in it, and he is fantastic. Yes, called the pizza dude. I know, right? Like having like the stoner teenager next door. It's fantastic. Such a great uh, we'll add that to the list. It has nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but it is uh, 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 culturally, rele- culturally yes, relevant. Absolutely. So yeah. I believe it was. I'm hanging out with uh, my brother. We were talking about wanting to play a game, but I guess a bunch of his friends already plays m- in multiple 3.5 campaigns. So yeah. we're like, okay, let's start one. Uh, we played that for a while, and then I got the hankering to be like, I want to create my own world in DM. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of Critical Role, like many folks are. Uh, funny story mm-hmm. is this had to be two years ago, maybe more. So me and some McDonald's folks went to Nerdist and Geek and Sundry office, and I was like, hey, guys, oh. we need to do something with this Critical Role group. Like, I know a, they're not huge at the moment, but, uh, you know, you get in a company potential. and you go, bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like you guys went – on behalf of McDonald's? Or yeah, so just- me and the VP of comms and PR. Yeah. Oh, so like, how do we make so it up? I want to be a VP. So then, oh, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then what happens like uh, a year and a half, two years later, they make millions and millions of dollars on a Kickstarter. And I'm like, once again, Chef Mike, you just listen to Chef Mike. Do what he says. You're the oracle. I You're am the, the oracle. oracle at Delphi. The hardest part is because I am a certified chef and my uh, like PR and marketing is not, not my role in any capacity. And mm. it's McDonald's, a huge brand. So turning that ship uh, obviously did not uh, pan out like I wanted it. But I know, right? That's all right. God, we could have had some Happy Meal Right. It was like Percy and Mick D&D. I wanted to do like a charity McDonald's game in the corporate office and do like a, you know, have some famous folk come in. Well, we're all down with that. But I can still, I I know some people. I'll call a guy. Introduce me to that VP. Yeah, I know Ronald. Me and Ronald, we go way back. Ronnie. He's a total gamer. Totally. Dude, he's in costume all the time. Dude, LARPs all the time. Time. Yeah, so right. the Hamburglar is like the Obviously. original rogue. There's, I mean, hello. We've got all the classes in all, in all of Grimace our uh, characters. Um, he's kind of a tank. He's kind of a big a thing. Fighter. You could just, but like, yeah. What is Grimace? I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely you that no. Nope. I just love that his name is Grimace. But is there like a style? We've guide? never actually right, really so touched them. I mean, they are highly. They're very conservative company. So utilizing those characters in certain ways, like. 
I don't even know if they would allow the character to be in D&D because it would be like, oh, but then he's going to get attacked and might get injured, and we wouldn't want that to right. our oh, properties. That makes so, sense. So, yeah. yeah. We'd figure someone out. So how did uh, – so let's t- talk about your professional kind of mm-hmm. thing because I think that's pretty interesting is how do you get to, to be – you know sure. the, the, the role Chef that you've been McDonald's. in. Oh yeah, right. So uh, you went to school for culinary I went to arts? school for culinary arts. I grew up, you know, cooking with mom and grandma and all that stuff. Started working in restaurants when I was fifteen, and I went into culinary school. Like, man, I'm going to open up my own restaurant, oh. be a famous chef. Then you get into culinary school, and you're like, the chances of your restaurant actually being successful is like five percent. You're working eighty, ninety hours a week, and you have no life. And I was like. I don't. I don't want to be a chef. I don't want to open up my own restaurant. Right. That doesn't yeah. sound fun. What's so. that stat in like uh, uh, you know something like four thousand restaurants open in New York City every year and like most of them 30, close. 39 and fifty yeah, of it them is, fail. Your, your actual chance of success is very hard. It is a hard life and more power. I I worked in restaurants for many years, but I was like, you know what, I want to have a life. So um, the other fable is that I also wanted to be a guitar player in a metal band. So my nights, weekends, and holidays, I can't be slaving in the kitchen. I need to melt faces. Right. So <laughs> Not just cheese. Not just right. cheese. Not <laughs> just melted cheese. So Melting cheese I went by to day, faces by melting night. Shredding and solo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> doing all that kind oh, of stuff. You Headbanging. combine those into like one like kind of rockabilly, uh, you know. A huge event of food and metal music yes. together. Yeah. That'd be one, but once again, I'd have no life because I'd have to cook all the food, write all the songs, perform, clean up. I I would delegate some of that. Yeah. Well, you got to be the, once I get to be the boss, then maybe I can do that. That's true. Yeah. But that's a one in, you know, a million chance. Yeah. I got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm working on it. I'm working. I'll see where where it gets. Do you still play guitar? I do. Yeah. I still play guitar. I did a little cover stuff with my brother and uh, some other folks, but nothing too professional at the moment. It eats into my Dungeons and Dragons playing time. I know, right? right? You can only have so many hobbies. Right. I can, and my video games. And I have a a child and another one on the way. So, congratulations. Thank you very much. I have a daughter and another one on the way. How old is the daughter? Two years old. Oh, okay. Daddy's little girl. Baby. And you have another daughter coming? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm into it. 100%. I have have the two daughters. I wanted. Because I can around also the reuse all, around the yeah. same, yeah. And I could reuse all their stuff for the first one. So it's like, hey, yeah, that's convenient. Yeah, it's a much more affordable way to go. My I, pl- youngest, I planned it that yep. way. We have cousins, <laughs> like uh, a you know, a handful of years older. So uh, some of this clothes that my youngest wore was like yep. on the fourth kid at that point. Smart. Yeah, that's what I like. It's worthwhile. Like it makes yeah, sense. Like oh, cool. That's really. And you're right. It totally. There's no time when you have no, that's uh, true. three women telling you what to do. Yes, uh, which then, is why you get the one day a month to do eight out like. I'm just playing D&D today. I'm not even here. Go do whatever you want to do somewhere else. We're locked in the basement playing. So Nice. Um, What's your setup like down there? Uh, I Whenever I do a thing, so I'm the kind of guy that's like, okay, when I turn 30, I'm going to learn how to golf. And I'm not going to buy crappy golf clubs. I'm going to get good golf clubs because I'm totally invested. But I don't, I'm not good, and I did it anyway, and I got great golf clubs. So I have a bunch of tables. I've got the computers. I've got um, a bunch of uh, toolboxes that click together to hold all my minis and oh, all my wow. books. Um, yeah, it's a it's a bitty production. I make sure that everything's set up before the players get there. Oh, nice. Chairs, you know, oh. drinks. I've got the beer fridge in the basement. Nice. I actually posted a video of like a walkthrough. I've got our map that we're playing with. So I got a, a cool Devin Rue poster that oh, we're using. Yeah. For I was gonna say it was a Devin Rue. Oh, thought. sure. I'll tell you. So yeah, we'll get to that in a minute because that's 
how I created like the world. I did everything I do is very homebrew. Yeah. Just because um, I'm not the smartest. Was uh, intelligence is my dump stat, but wisdom, <laughs> you know, very yeah. high. You I'm, got the feeling. You oh got the intuition. yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got the beer fridge in the basement, and we. Uh, Oh, that's pretty oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Do you do any um, uh, miniatures? Do you use miniatures a lot? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Will you be using a walking statue? <laughs> that would be amazing. Nice. I would. I mean, our little guys proportionally would be crush it. But I did, uh, for my game, uh, in the 3-5 that I play in, I play a, a paladin. So I got a Hero Forge character with a chef hat on it. Oh, so but oh. they recently just said you could get chef attire on your... So what? I was like, what is this happening? So now I'm going to have to spend more money on another miniature that I don't need, but I really want. So <laughs> Is this your... Is your uh, do you play a homebrewed character that is a chef? Um, no, not class? a chef. I do have plenty of ideas on making a chef character, but I uh, just for that game, I always like to pick my characters last because the party all wants to do, oh, we're going to have ten fighters. Okay, well, then when we all get <laughs> smashed and everyone's going to die and no one's healing it. So I wait, and for whatever reason, in all the games i played, it's always been like, Oh, uh, you don't have a beefy tank who could stand in the middle and gather all the people around, you know, all the enemies around. So I'm usually a paladin. Um, and then in this game, I'm also, like I said, a tank. But the gist is I acquire all the bad guys to attack me. And then I let our, uh, our sorcerer and wizard just blow things up right around me. Oh, so I take, like I take that him. damage. And, but everyone else gets hit as well. So I'm just kind of like a magnet for destruction. It's awesome. Nice. That yeah. is pretty sweet. It's badass. I feel like a chef would just badass. inherently have like good tools for fighting. Absolutely. Like so a creme brulee torch. That's a great idea. So if you want me to get into Bake the last of your face. If you want <laughs> <laughs> pour a little sugar on there, caramelize that face up real nice. Mmm, delicious. Wait, no, you're not gonna actually eat the face, are you? you it depends. Might. It depends All what right. kind of care. Yeah. Well, if we're lizard we'll folk that. or dragonborn, maybe <laughs> you're, uh, you want to get in on that. So Mm, corpses. Yes, delicious. <laughs> we actually play one of the things I had to bring up. Uh, so my a guy I play with Gary, who is a lizard folk character. He's like, when you go in there, he was almost upset. He's like, oh, you're gonna go to Wizard of the Coast. I'm like, oh yeah. When you go in there, you tell them why lizard folk have no racial tra- uh, trait. A uh, trait. I can't even say it. Traits. That's the word. Traits. <laughs> Not traits. Why don't they have any <laughs> racial traits that uh, are along with the lizard folk? Cl- you know, character. I'm like, oh, I'll go ask. I don't know how much pull I'm gonna have. <laughs> but I'll put the question well, out there. Well, now that you mentioned it, we're going to change it. That's we're, it. Yeah, yeah right. Change. Get them on a, so get the bosses you. in here. Hello. I will say and ever, they will now be called triates too. Triates. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't say that word. That was pretty. Because hey, you don't care about Gary's yeah, lizard care about folk. Yeah. You're just like whatever. It happens. Just throw it that happens. guy meat. He just eats meat. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's lizard don't even have to cook it. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah he goes right? raw. It's good um, diet. So, I mean, before we move on to, to more D&D stuff, the, uh, the whole idea right. of, like, a making uh, foods for McDonald's and coming up with new stuff mm-hmm. is really fascinating to me. Yes. So that's um, what your role was there? Yes. Yeah, so as oh. the uh, manager of culinary innovation, it was my job to come up with new things for the menu for the U.S. Um, so as glamorous as it sounds, a lot of it would be behind mirrored glass serving people food oh, yeah. and getting their like opinions on it. A game. Oh, yeah. A lot of documentation and paperwork. So... Uh, I, I would love to say I was in the kitchen all the time, but definitely not. Um, it's also not my job as a chef to influence, like, this is what you guys should have. I learn what you like and yeah. provide you the things that you like. So everyone, why did you take this thing away on the menu? I'm well, like, because like, nobody bought it. Like, but me and my three friends bought it all the time. Well, we serve 30 million plus people a day. So same thing. Yeah. you're Four people are not buying enough. You need to go swipe that credit card. People went crazy about McRib. 
Mm-hmm. People do. People yeah. do. Is that still on the menu or did it come and go? It is a rotating, a limited time offer. So what you see is every, oh, the McRib is back. Yeah. Awesome. They went nuts. And then they buy one the whole season. That's it. And that's it. A majority, just like pumpkin spice lattes. Right. Everyone, the season gets longer. It's something like 90% of people who really buy those buy one in that season they just want and their are done. Fix and so it's just more of the one time user in that season so we could get them. That's, that's really the biggest moneymaker. There are people who love, I eat the McRib every day. That's great. But the numbers don't add up. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it is a lot like playtesting in kind of a way because there yeah. will be people who be so loud about like, I love this yeah. particular yeah. feature. And the loudest but you're like, not necessarily but, mean But the data it. doesn't, yeah. doesn't yeah. Uh, you know, have it out, right? So, and you're dealing you with such huge Absolutely. numbers. And we also have like our, when the McRib is not brought back to nationwide, so our owner operators or the owner operators, since I'm no longer with McDonald's, um, they actually vote on whether they want specific menu items back or not. So when it's like, oh, this year, 9,000 restaurants have the McRib. Well, what about that's not in my location? And we're like, we as the corporate entity oh, wow. can't dictate what that they the restaurant has it. So, yeah, so those owners. Your own and, restaurant. Well, yeah. So, I, yeah, even when I'd come up with a new thing, I'd have to sell it like internally. So, not only are my customers the people who'd go in the restaurant, but like the owners and everyone else, you'd give them a stack of documents with no, this is why you should do it. And now they're like, eh, nah, I don't want to do it. Like, yeah. oh, great. Whole year of my time just wasted. Awesome. That actually reminds me a lot of the like distributor conferences and things that we do here at, right. at Dungeons and Dragons because it is the same thing. Like, we have to basically sell the product to the distributors and they're going to buy it yep. to then get to the retail Absolutely. thing. So, it's that same, same kind of process. Yeah, I think. And the, like once you understand sort of the R&D or product development process, whether it's cooking food, making awesome games, cars, computers, I think you can kind of like, oh, I understand how that business works now. Yeah. Because it's all the same, like a gold standard prototype. You know, you make a sketch of a cool character. Like here's just the outline of it and then the whole process to get it in a book printed into a consumer's hands. Like it's a it's a lengthy process. But you're right. There is It, it does transfer from yeah. different yeah. industries. Oh, yeah. Uh, one final thing. How do the fries taste so good? I know. What is going on? Is I there d- really sugar in there? Um, is it soy sauce? Is it soy sauce? I'm throwing well, is it umami? It's the, we just take TLC and those fries. So we get those great potatoes. Uh, we cook them, uh, cook them, cut them appropriately, hold them for only a certain amount of time, certain amount of sauce. It's one of those legacy items that if we ever made a change, because of how much we sell, all these people would notice and they'd go bonkers. Yeah. Now, I know like Malcolm Gladwell talked about having uh, – we used to fry them in beef tallow many, many years ago instead Uh-oh. of yeah, instead of regular oil. But then obviously we want people who are vegetarians. That's me, and man. That, so you can still eat them? Are they vegetarian? They, I believe they are vegetarian. So there is a beef flavor in them. But I don't believe that's derived from animal, so I'd have to. Oh, you have to ask. Them. I'm just going to go ahead and say they're not. So then I'll stop eating them. Oh, you don't want to stop. I eating. go to McDonald's a lot just because I have a six year old. Oh yeah, and he loves McDonald's. Um, you know who I think the most talented people are on the planet? Who's that? The people who work the drive-through. Oh yeah. How oh, are they like taking your order and then like handing it, taking the order like, of this guy, but handing you your change? And, it'd like, be like no working at the post office, which just way, doesn't end. Way too much. It just way doesn't too end. Many it just keeps happening. going. And the way they so the other thing that I'm a little bit known for is that whole Szechuan sauce thing with Rick and Morty. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember that. What happening. the what? We do know about the Rick and Mortys in the Szechuan sauce. We know about sauce. the Rick and yeah. Morty. So it was my that was you. That was my tweet that set the internet ablaze. Really? So it was. We gave away like ten thousand bottles of Big Mac sauce, 
and an owner or somebody tweeted at me. They're like, hey, if we give this away, shouldn't we give – this was right when that uh, season one or season three episode one aired. Since we gave that sauce away, shouldn't we bring back Szechuan sauce? So I tweeted out, I'll see what I can do. Fifteen minutes later, 10,000 retweets later, the media is like, McDonald's chef is bringing back Szechuan's. I'm like, no, no, I never oh, said no. that. So, like, I handed my phone to the legal team and the PR group. I'm like, this is happening. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. Wow. So, and then, obviously, we know how the story went. I engaged with Justin Roiland on Twitter. We talked. And it was great. We give him jugs of sauce. Yada, yada, yada. We did not make enough in the restaurants then. Uh, the people were not happy. And I'll leave it at that. That's a, the right. people were not happy at that point. But. That is true. I do. I remember that story. Yeah. Yes. But now I'm I'm remembering the uh, uh, the the before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everything uh, was going of, real smooth. This was like right before uh, New York Comic Con was the week, like the started that Thursday, and we were launching uh, the Szechuan sauce little collectible cups on a Saturday. And they were like, "Oh, should we send Chef Mike to Comic Con and walk around the show floor with like?" Helpers in a briefcase with like samples just to hand out. Oh my god! And then all of the senior uh, people at McDonald's like Rick and Ma- I don't even know. This is not going to be a big thing. Ah, we know this is going to be small. Blah, blah. And oh, it was, it not, was small. not like it was not. I small gave you all. Rick and Morty. I gave you Critical Role. Like what more can I do? Just listen to Chef Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the Oracle at yes, I see. I'm the I'm the thirty thousand foot view of looking at things and where yeah. magic can happen. You're but. a diviner. Um, so are you a fan of Rick and Morty? Then? Absolutely. Nice. Oh, well, have we got the product for you. Oh, I'm very familiar with that product. I am very so familiar. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, do you think we can show him some stuff while he's here? I have a meeting at two where I have to like That's all right. All right well, you, like, you can, but, you can but, sit down on that. That's fine. My meeting is I'll re- take some notes. to I'm review like, yeah, no, like, all the Rick and Morty stuff. I, yeah. No, guys, this is what you should do. Listen to Chef the, Mike. He knows what you need everything. to do is something or other. He got a prophecy given yeah. to him by yeah, Justin Roiland. I don't need pay or anything if I make you money. No big deal. I don't need credit. I just want to give back. I just give you give you it on a silver platter. I like that. I like that. Heck yeah. I like yeah. it. So, yeah, no, we're we're excited about the Rick and Morty uh, uh, connection because we do know that there's people who are very active Mm -hmm. uh, as fans of both Rick and Morty and of D&D. And so that uh, Venn diagram is is Mm going to be even more conjoined once that product comes out. Absolutely. Nice. Super exciting. Uh, What do we, so let me ask you this uh, because I don't, I haven't watched any Rick and Morty episodes Mm -hmm. ever. Uh, what do you think a D&D fan would get out of, uh, uh, A, the show, but then B, uh, playing a game uh, similar to what I think what I like about it is obviously it's off the wall and dark humor. And that aside, like, it's so scatterbrained of different – it's almost like watching improv happen in real life. Like, if uh, I also listen to uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern. So it's good. Like, yeah. And it's like they're just improving and making things happen. It's so – off the wall, this connects with that sort of continuity within the story that it's just that brain of creativity of anything could happen. I'm learning as I go. You may actually know, you know, if you roll well, you actually knew about the history of something or other, but you didn't realize it until you rolled so well. And it, I feel like it's that same kind of like brain, part of the brain that's that thinking that you do when you play Dungeons and Dragons is why I think a lot of those people like the show as well. But, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's just goofy. It's just it makes goofy, me laugh, right? It's got yeah. the references that. Uh, oh, that, so many! Yeah, so many. You're gonna like this game. Uh, awesome, Shelly's so excited. You're confident. Like She's confident. I guarantee it. Take my <laughs> money now. Yeah, you <laughs> like have the way money. you look. Now go ahead, and I will reserve a card. I'll give for you, you the cards. I'll give you all my cards. <laughs> One of them might not be maxed I'm out. Cash but... only, please. 
Oh, awesome. <laughs> I got a couple George Washingtons in here. That'll, uh... Didn't we take like a training on this, Shelly? Oh, we can't you... do that. <laughs> uh, Actually, I just took uh, one too. I can't be. Yeah, no. Yeah. Right? Uh, quid pro quo. Oh, quid pro quo can't be. No. Can't be a thing. I almost couldn't say that either. Awesome. It's it, all those fancy words that <laughs> we're coming out with here. It's right? not illegal. Uh, so we were saying in the uh, intro for this that I played in an adventure uh, where I was Dungeon Master uh, where uh, it dramatized a restaurant in the weeds, pretty That's much. amazing. And then the characters came into it and they kind of had to help and, and, and deal with it. But it was very uh, interesting to have that portrayed in the D&D adventure. Awesome. And I really liked it. Um, and I was wondering if there's other stuff that you might uh, experience in the culinary world or the food service or anything like that that uh, you don't see dramatized very much so in, in D&D type stuff. I want to make a whole class in Dungeons & Dragons for the culinary arts, the gastronom class. I think we talked about this a little okay. earlier. Yes. So Tell us about it. If, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but I heard that the Golden Girls... <laughs> is a perfect adventuring party based off of their personalities, and that's kind of a framework as to, all right, this is a, a, an adventuring party. But you guys got to eat, and you got nobody in your traveling party yeah. who's feeding the people. So, gastronom class, and this will give me two minutes to, to spew oh, this out. You've been thinking okay. about this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's my dream. Gastronom class is going to be one of those classes where at third level you have a subclass. Yeah. First subclass is going to be a little more strength forward. So think of your line cook, like dirty white T-shirt, mm-hmm. real big burly guy, like sweating oh, bullets. Yeah, just sweat. like yeah. used to Ugh. it. So if you want to use uh, the culinary person as more of a also fighter, that that would kind of be the subclass for you. Okay. Then you have let's say the culinarian. So you're like Gordon Ramsay, your fancy French chef who could kind of wine and dine and maybe do a little more charisma-based character where you could influence people with the food or, or make money. You go to a, a inn or a tavern that's the food's garbage. You could go in the back, make money that way, almost like that bard performer type. Mm. So that would be a second subclass. And the third one would like be... Like Benny Benihana. Oh, well, yeah. Like, hi, I'm doing the show or like a world swaths of friendship. Yeah. I make you the best meal you ever had in your life. Open your mouth. I throw yes. it Oh, <laughs> magic. Uh, and then the third one would be an R&D chef, a little more in my world where it's science and food combinations. Yeah, the alchemist type where you're making poisons or potions or you can do, make like distractions for wild animals. So one of the... uh, um, one of the things I one of the characters I wanted to do would be if I was a paladin, former paladin, and I retired, and I work in a barbecue restaurant, and then I start getting back into fighting. Well, I smell delicious all the time, so I have disadvantage on all stealth rolls in nature because every animal or every mm. every person is like, I smell like, was that bacon? Was that hickory? Mm. Mm. So I have that kind of stench on me. But That's hot. I um, used to work at Little Caesars Pizza, and mm-hmm. I used to come home smelling like peppers just, and Onions like all the time. Yeah, so. so I definitely had disadvantage. All of your pets really enjoyed right, whenever like, you kept around. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Everybody wants to be the girl that smells like peppers and onions. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> disadvantage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd it's like, a pizza. I would love to have <laughs> sort of a culinary type role where. Um, you know, you could you could kind of break it down into different portions. Yeah. There's a lot of video games like uh, Breath of the Wild or Monster Hunter where 
you are cooking ahead of time, using that for stats or advantages, yeah. disadvantages. So I like the idea of that. And just the chef being kind of, you know, everybody can cook great. That's awesome. But there's more to being a chef. So you need to organize your team to understand their strengths and weaknesses. So it's almost a little more... You're, you're studying your group and you know how to tactician, kind of put people where they need to be. So that would be an interesting, like, role within an adventuring party. I think that's pretty cool. I like yeah. it. I uh, think th- there's probably already uh, material like this. Oh, absolutely. Dungeon and I actually, right I actually helped uh, a couple people. with they, they used me as some reference in right. some of the stuff. Okay, so I think oh, I, cool. that's why what you were describing oh, yeah. sounded a little bit familiar. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's badass. I don't know necessarily that... I mean, because so much about the class is about like how you do it to defeat monsters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly how you'd uh, use the culinary arts to defeat monsters. It's more right. of a support class, like right? It'd be more yeah, about, like, more helping of support. Out your party. Like you need to be more well prepared. You're going into a battle. Well, the night before, I'm gonna pre- like a hero's feast. I'm gonna yeah. prepare a meal. You, we have advantages to whatever. Maybe you have to stay up all night and you're guarding your camp. Well, I'm gonna make you something that'll like. You're going to be alert and ready to rock, but maybe afterwards and you crash and burn, like you got to sleep all day. Yeah. Um, you know, poisons and things that maybe health potions instead of a health potion, it's now like edible type things that can, you know, so oh, edibles. Yeah, yeah there's quite a yeah. quite a bit of stuff. I think uh, I think it would work really well as a background too, just as like, okay, oh, yeah. you oh, are, yeah. you oh, have absolutely. a fighter and everything like that, but yeah. then, you know, that's where you came That up. would be cool. That's where you got, you know, everybody has stories of what they were like working in restaurants and things like that. So oh, like it, it kind of informs uh, yeah. uh, their entire identity to a certain that extent. That would be cool. Well, yeah. Nathan, cool. Our, our boss always, um, Plays his character is usually a pastry chef. <laughs> awesome! I feel like he would love. He'd be all on board. He would be. Yeah, he does like the. Food I believe connection. a cake in the face of a dragon might do some damage, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Maybe little. No, psychic like, damage, maybe. Yeah. Like, Unless they're like gluten intolerant, they're like, oh, that, oh, one point of damage Fire. for distress, uh, digestional, digestional distress, or something of that right. nature. You can like actually have egg on their face and be like, oh, <laughs> I feel shame. That's. Literal egg on the face. That yes. is how it's described. That's it's the, literally egg on the face. <laughs> but you have to, it's hard to do. You gotta get sure, dexterity, get it right on the face. Gotta roll good. Yeah, it's yeah. all yeah. about the roll of the dice. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I also love that the chat is basically saying how the Golden Girls map to characters here. So. Wait, what, I was, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, have what you been? They, what have they come up with? Uh, I don't know. The only thing that really stands out for me is that Sophia has vicious mockery uh, as a hundred percent. And I'm like, Fact. Yeah, that is very true. She will tear you up. So <laughs> my daughter, my two-year-old daughter is named Sophia Rose. No way. For two of the Golden Girls. Wait. Really, hundred percent. My wife, my Gold? wife is obsessed with the Golden Girls. Oh wow! So our daughter is literally named for two characters of the Golden Girls. Oh That's my god! Great. Yep. You didn't want to go for Dorothy Blanche. That's Not, the next one. Yeah. That's the next oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little coming. more old timey name. Yeah. Didn't sound we as nice, but Dottie B. Dottie, Dottie B. B. That's good. We'll, we'll use that as a nickname. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I like that. I know. Uh, Blanche. I, Blanche. I know, right? It's such a yeah. Yeah, Blanche. but I, my, my daughter's name's Edna, so you know, I, that's a, I'm, that's I'm that's all in cool on the on the old Golden Girls I like names. That. I like that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I feel like I was going to go to another topic and I forget what it was. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of Nathan and uh, uh, running the uh, Adamantine Chef adventure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love that because it was this whole framework of having a uh, an Iron Chef-like competition. But awesome. in a fantasy uh, yes. realm and trying to help Sign out. Sign me up. And win on that type of things. Um, I've always wanted to do an um, uh, Iron Game Designer where you provide people I a basket be- of... 
uh, components or maybe a theme or maybe like a thing that you have to include in your game and then over the course of an hour or however long it is like you have to design a game that is that genius. like that, that mystery basket kind it'd be of a really thing. fun segment that yeah. would be awesome like here, yeah here's a um, like a component of the story that needs to be weaved into it like this is all as long as this is in it you succeed or whatever it is, that would be a lot of fun. That yeah. That would be a lot of fun. I know. And uh, Lisa Penrose is already kind of running with that idea with the uh, DMs Guild design dash nice. that we've been doing here on the D&D channel yeah. once a month. They did their first episode last month. So it's taking that and uh, doing it on an episodic uh, type thing. I think it's going to be super I fun. am very confident and understand that any idea I have probably already been done. Like I am not the creative, you know, Here's a new thing no one's ever heard of. Like I'm always like, oh, we should do a thing, and then you look it up. That ah, somebody's already done. Sure, it. Come on! yeah, but that's a fallacy to a certain extent because right, right, right. you know everything's already been done before. Sure. It's all about uh, new combinations. It's all about actually yeah. doing it, right? I Getting mean, the, like, yeah. a lot of people Man, might have the idea, but that's what I'm slacking on the doing yeah, of it. Yeah, the execution. Yeah, it's like those people be like, well, I have a good idea for a movie, and <laughs> no, one, uh, but no one's like, ever done. What if like idea. the monster is actually the good guy in the end? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Brains exploded. Ah! Awesome. Uh, they usually are the good guys, though. You know, where they think they are. They think they are. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the best bad guy is one who thinks that they're being a good guy. Um, so tell me about your homebrew world. Yes. What, what have you been cooking up? So. <laughs> ah, yeah! yeah! Points! I see what you did there. So when I wanted to start a game, I was like, and my brain is always like, I'm much better at creating it myself than like kind of learning the Lord. You know, you guys are amazing with the amounts of stories and background. And I'm like, I just want to like come up with my own world. So, mm-hmm. how do I start? What do I do? So, I had no idea. I was like, oh, I'm going to start by, I need to make my own map. So, I was looking at programs to make a map. But then I came across uh, Devin Rue's website where she has these posters. Yeah. So, I was like, I started looking at some of her maps, and there was this uh, Euphoro Peninsula map. And up in the right-hand corner, there was a little, like, island with something that said Arcane Tower. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to use this as my world and then start building each city, you know, how I want this adventure, what the background story is. Oh, that's cool. So I got that first. But then I used a lot of the books, like, um, for I use more of them for reference. So, like, if I want a city and the background of it, I might steal some info from a city that's already, you know, published in one of the books, but change it around. So a lot of the players that I'm playing with are well more experienced than I am. Mm. I have a couple players who are like, oh, that's on page 157. Like, oh, this is oh, yeah. like, cool. I'm not going to throw monsters that you're familiar with because you will know, and even though you're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to pretend like you don't know what the uh, weaknesses of that monster Metagaming are. can happen you even kinda, unconsciously. You kind of do. So I throw, you know, brand spanking new stuff at them. Um, so I came up with this world, came up with the background, came up with an overall story. Then I told the players, give me a background. It could be anything in the D&D world that I will then figure out how to tie back into our playable map. Um, and then I was like, make sure that you all have kind of a, a negative or a crutch or something that you don't tell the other players, but they may be able to find out oh, while actively playing. Mm. So um, I thought that part was I really love fun. That oh, absolutely. Having a flaw? Oh, 100%. Like uh, we have somebody who can't really hold a secret. We've got somebody, and I can't give too much away because they're going to listen, but uh, we've got a uh, Asimir character who has some interesting background that might tie in. It's crazy. Oh, cool. Um, and then the other big thing I always wanted to do is try to make an emotional connection with the player. So 
early on in the game, and my brother is one of the players. His name is Hondo Lone Star. You could imagine mm. what kind of character he is, the Han Solo type. Um, <laughs> orphaned, you know, did not know his parents. He was born with just a letter from his mother that called him like her lone star. She always thinks about him. The space ball reference. No, there? right? Yeah. That was good. That's yeah. a bunch right. of stuff. So then yada, yada, yada. Early on in the game, they have to do something to steal um, something from a neighboring town. The venturing party does it. They accidentally steal his long lost mother's pendant. Uh, it's a lone oh, star no. pendant. Oh, no. The person that she was enslaved to you know, injured her enough where she then passed away in my brother's arms. Like, oh, this is your long-lost God. mother that you just found, and she just passed away You're in your arms. You're a terrible arm. person. Why did you do that? Because now with that emotional connection, like, I almost started crying just saying this to, like, my brother and stuff. And you see all that. This was, like, the second game, and everyone's just sitting there like, because once you have that emotional connection to a character and you continue playing, my brother wants some vengeance. He is now like, I'm going to find out that I'm going to find that guy and I'm going to end him in the worst way. Wow. So this is like motivation for all the players to be like, oh, man, oh, you know, like kind of once you it, it is fun to just go in a dungeon and kill everything. But when it's like I need retaliation or retribution for what they did to me. Yeah. Then. There's there's games where I'll sit back for like a half hour and listen to them talk in character and I'm like this is amazing. That's like the the most fun for me of it's on autopilot because the world I've created and the story it's like just just live in it and I'm just going to be the uh you know puppet be, master. Yeah, puppet master just kind of, you know, moving you along and throwing other ridiculous things in the way. So, yeah, I I hit them hard real early. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. How now this has been going on for a year? Probably a year and a half now or something like that. I think they're at levels another eight or nine at the moment. Wow. Yeah. So I like I said, we'll do eight, ten hour sessions and just go to town. So is this the same crew that you're doing your three point five campaign? Just about. There's like one or two swaps. Um, so we've got, uh, yeah, one gentleman who only plays in the three five and then a different gentleman, Alex, who plays in the five E, but it's generally the same same people. So yeah. Interesting. 3.5 was the edition I learned how to play D&D on. A lot of math. A lot of math. Yeah. In, in Eberron? In Eberron, mm. yeah. In Sharn. City That's of awesome. Towers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, well, that brings me back to what you were saying about the, the, the chef character. Like, I feel like that would be a really good setting for something like that, uh, especially one that could use, oh, yeah. use magic and stuff to do uh, somewhat, uh, you know, more mundane things that a cook would t- take sure. care of, but then having inventions and things like that's a way to bring in a little bit more of the stuff you might be doing uh, in Heck your yeah. present day. Heck yeah, I would imagine that there's a lot of players out there in their games where it's like, oh, do you have rations on you when you are traveling? Oh, no. Right. Who might not focus on that? Well, then you could have that background of a character where, hey, one ration, I could now make that in that to feed the whole party. So I only need oh. one ration so to sort of conserve that. Um, assist with like hunting and stuff and I do like the idea of kind of a butcher type chef culinary background so I may only have two knives but I know how to fillet the heck out of I know where all your important arteries are so I can actually cause a lot of damage with my two little chef knives because I'm experienced in uh, butchery you know the anatomy of of where best to cause the most damage I kind of feel you taking like big stock pot um Hand or lids and using them as swords or shields. 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 Yeah, a little ladle. Pow! Yes, blood force on the head. I can just take this (laughs) adorable little character. I like that, but I want to be. Must be a halfling or a gnome. Yeah, a little. 
that's hilarious. I do like that for sure. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of extending narrations too, because that's um, a lot of the things yeah. that I love about uh, uh, adventuring in lands that have lack of resources. I just like the idea of being able to have to fight to right, get, like to hey, get you guys are going to starve if you need to go hunt, right. and then you know maybe that uh, gastronom character knows how to. Um, lure out, you know, we can make kind of like a, a, a nice scent for whatever kind of, you know, werewolf might be hiding there. So I'll use that as a little Ooh, distraction. Like yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So stink right. bombs and stuff. Do all kinds maybe of it stuff. is a whole class. Maybe I'm like, there's maybe I'm going of, back. Right? I think there there's a lot of things yeah. you can do. I think, I, I, yeah, I guess part of me was like, you want to have swords and things like that, but you know, you don't, you, know, you, you could, uh, it's a fantasy yeah. world. You can do whatever you absolutely. want. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's what I like about this game is that you can, in, in Put as much uh, interest into it as possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we talked earlier about like creating a meal uh, mm-hmm. as a, as the dungeon master. Uh, I was telling Shelley I had a dungeon master who did that once at a uh, a scene in the game that was at a ball or a masquerade or something like that, and, awesome. or, or like a, a feast. And uh, he actually created the dishes and brought them out. That's awesome. They were terrible. They were not very of good course. or tasty, uh, or even looked good. But it was. <laughs> but was that because he, like he just wasn't a good cook, or no, was he yes. really like trying to like? He's not a good cook. Okay. Oh. But he was oh. trying, and he followed the recipe, that but it didn't really work. Like you only can use what you have on you as your adventuring part. So I got a pot, uh, maybe <laughs> salt, maybe, and that's about it. Yeah, uh, nice. but I. But even though uh, the execution of it wasn't as awesome, I I just loved the idea of bringing something real world uh, to the table and actually having you know, as you said, gaming and, and eating goes together really, yeah. really was well. One thing I was gonna do in a game, it already passed, so I don't think I'm ever gonna do it again. So if they're listening, they don't have to worry about it. But okay, I was gonna no make, spoilers. I was gonna make like jungle juice or a punch or whatever, right? And yeah. Before everyone's coming in, oh yeah, I made some juice. Oh, cool. You want some? Oh no, I'll pass. Okay, great. In the game. It'll be like that same scenario. Everybody who drank the juice uh, when you came in, you are all poisoned. Oh, like, oh wait, I ate the thing, no! But then they'll be ever. like, every time they come in, they'll no longer eat the food or drink the beer. So. <laughs> well, they might get bonuses, though. Oh, yeah, if that's they true. Do. Oh, my God, true. that brings up a... Uh, uh, so I played Dungeons & Dragons in college with a group uh, for the first, I don't know, we played like maybe four sessions. It was a dungeon master and her... Uh, boyfriend was the first time that he had ever played. He was a writer type guy, so he really nice. like liked the creativity of making a character and then he got really latched on to this character Very in the backstory. Cool. And he was she was running an old school adventure. She was it was during the second edition era, but I think she was doing a first edition uh, thing and they in the adventure, they go to it and they see uh, it was a dungeon, lots of people dying and things like that. But then you enter in a room and there's a feast laid out in front of you. And it's just like that. Like, oh, you want one of these things? And different mechanical effects happen if you ate different awesome. foods. And uh, uh, he chose one of the foods and she's like, yep, uh, you're dead. Boom. Yep. Ah. Go. He's like, well, I don't even get to roll or anything. Like, nope, that's what the adventure says. And the game broke after that. No one wanted to play. Oh, real Because nice. he was they so re- mad <laughs> that this character, he, it was his wow. first introduction to D&D. So that's he's like, that stinks. I yeah. like this game. Yeah, I think there was a lot of dynamics with them being boyfriend, girlfriend Yeah, there too. might have been like, yeah, some, that's a, it was something a thing. else happening. It was a thing. Is that uh, a good dungeon master or a bad dungeon. Like I it, think it was an adventure, and the and, well, I we I mean, moved like, past that. I think as a like you do no, you do something and you're dead immediately type thing. I think no one really likes that. Yeah, save oh, yeah. or die type type. Especially of, how much feel. time you may have you know put in making the what background I mean, like, of your character. Like, ah, a, throw it away. It's a new player who clearly loves their character, and you're the dungeon master. Like you have. You might have like a little creative freedom to be like, oh, you're like really injured. You better yeah. get some healing. Instead of like. Instant death, TPK, like just because I feel like, like it. Like, <laughs> the saving, the death saves is still 
stressful and not yeah. not a great experience. Maybe but I think for, that's why they were put in so that yes. it wasn't just something like that. You you had ways to be able to do it and if you chose not to react to it, then you might have permanent death. But You brought up a great idea for our gastronome character that with the sense of taste and smell and oh. all that, detecting poisons yes. like understand, oh, you know, yeah. like maybe have a little more like Wolverine type awareness of like sensory attributes Antidote. around the area. We're, we're making our own character. We're, I like it's that. It's going to be a whole class. Right? By the time. Like a food taster yeah, for, for yeah. the king. Of, that's where that that's could be where you background. were employed, right? So yeah. you're the chef, but you're also making sure that you're not po- that the king's not poisoned. You roll really well is you are immune to your own poison. So you're like, here, look at no, I'm fine. Here Ooh. you go, King. What happened? I tasted it. What I spent happened? the last ten years of my life yes, uh, building up an immunity to iron cane powder. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yes. Oh, right. So you actually can be like an expert poisoner mm-hmm. too if you wanted to mm-hmm. go that route. Maybe that's one of the subclasses. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. All right. I'll do some writing. I'll do some work. I'll send do some, some, work I'll some You're the idea guy though. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Internet, do your thing. Make it no. happen. <laughs> like I said, I think there are already tons of stuff oh, yeah. up on Absolutely. DMs Guild. We're giving uh, so a lot look more for ideas it there. to play nice. with. Um, so we've got you know a couple minutes left here, but what's uh, what's next for for Chef Mike? So I uh, well, like I said, I have a new gig now. So I've been uh, with this company called Bell Flavors for about a week, but a it week? will for a whole week, a whole one week. You're like later, I gotta go. Yeah, I, I got know. things to do. Um, but this will allow me to create new menu items for a lot of different supermarkets and different restaurants. So stuff that I've created now will no longer just be McDonald's. It may be at a variety of different places. Oh, you got to keep cool. Oh, absolutely. I and what a uh, chef make. Sure. And ultimately, what I want to do, because I do want to become internet famous, obviously, you know, I bother right. Wizards D&D on, You're not uh, already? on Twitter. No, psh, nobody knows who I am just yet. I'm working on it. Um, but <laughs> how do I get, you were bringing up like a, uh, the brands playing a D&D game. Like, I am more than happy to try to figure out how to facilitate that, how to get more people to enjoy the game, um, you know, get invited to uh, a Matt Mercer and Stephen Colbert one-shot. Like, I want to do... Oh, yeah, I'll do whatever. You should be thinking about, like, D&D storylines and, like, products that... Meals that you could be putting out in supermarkets and restaurants that that might be... You know, like, that's weird. I went to... I'm, I'm a... Going shopping for my uh, Baldur's Gate Descendant to Avernus game. Yeah. And I like, right. I, like, there's like this whole line of like super spicy right. foods. Or if you or get the like, uh, Vox Machina Slayer cakes, you know, get that I actually mean, in make it the store. Real. That people, would be unbelievable. Like, there'll be like, oh, there will be people who like get it and other people are like, that's a great idea. Yeah, like, oh, cool. Oh, it's time to Dungeons and Dragons. Like, but the real fans will be like, I know what that yeah. is. Well, that's what legitimizes it. I mean, that's the whole. You know, you go into PR and talk about who your targets are. You don't want to talk the, you know, I want everything new right away. And you don't want your average folk. You want those people who will convince everybody like, oh, that's legit. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are the people you want to it's target. It's delicious. So. Doesn't, you know, D&D, that's cool too. Yeah, but, but like, no, it's actually so delicious too. Yeah, I know, right? What about events? Would you ever do like a, I mean, I've been talking about, you know, themed meals and things like that for storylines and things like oh. that. I think that would be really cool. I would love Could to do that. Could be a new addition to D&D Live. That's what a I'm thinking. Dinner, a big An family actual style feast. dinner. Ooh. Yeah. And then like, yeah, we work on Themed. what's the story going in, you yeah. know, with the game so at least ties in. So this is what like Owlbear tastes like. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, he, he oh. didn't mean that little Be delicious. This is, what, this is what Goblin tastes like. Mm. That's okay. Rancid. Yeah. Mm. Mm, cool oh, no. And then if it's bad, I'll be like, I purposely did that. Yep. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Know. This basilic. Yeah, uh, yeah makes I can't. Me... I don't want to. I can't use like real nice ingredients. That's not what they had. So it's boiled. 
Yeah, on a campfire. Uh, yummy. yummy. What do you think yeah. would have better food, Eberron or Forgotten Realms? Um, or actually, which setting do you think would have the best? I just say, well, if I would do it more by race, so I would think the elves would be more of kind of like French cuisine, high classy. You'd have but um, very small portions. Oh, of course, like, oh yeah, not, like oh, a little I'm not nice for that. Just like how French would, you know, you'd have dwarves that would be definitely like rugged, big meals, lots of meat, stuff like that. Um, everyone knows halflings, you know, it's depicted in movies and how that would work. But it would be interesting to see, like, uh, different classes, like, let's say, dragonborns. What kind of meals do they have? You know, they're obviously going to probably eat a lot of meat, but maybe there's some vegetarians out there. Maybe there's, um, you know, whatever. But then how those different races and cultures kind of work together like we have Tex-Mex right. so what would an oh. elfish and dwarvish meal that's kind that's of where fused I, together I what would that look like yeah elf, no, that would be elf, crazy dwarven fusion that would because be because like you'd get like a bigger portion but like probably of a really right like a buttery, delicious like, you know experience. short ribs right now are very expensive but they used to be a peasant food so now it's okay I'm gonna do short ribs and elvish you know like nice greens and herbs probably in something it, no? with foam Oh, yeah, What's the very guest, yeah. yeah, molecular the gastronomy, yeah, they're thumb. very into. And then oh, alchemists, yeah. you know, can do also like, oh, you know, spherical foods and foods that look like other things. And delicious and, Oh, get into the, uh, oh, yeah. the science stuff, oh, yeah. stuff that's out there now. Oh, my gosh. I'm liking this more and more. So I would probably, as opposed to, and, you know, to, to your point of the setting, if it's a coastal area, obviously they're going to be heavy on right. seafood and things like that. If they're in, you know, a dense forest, maybe there's a lot more bird and game birds and things of that nature and, See, and wild I just boars. Like, I like the idea of, like, at, like, just when we do, like, settings and stuff, like, really, like, digging into, like, the culinary culture of all of these places, too. If, and that tells such a, even in, you know, the real world, in different parts of the world, that tells so much a story of the history yeah. like oh there's a potato famine in Ireland oh why did that happen well they're landlocked and they're importing and exporting of foods is uh, slow there was war at the time so all they had were potatoes it grows great up there and then they all lost it it didn't all. work right? alright now what do you do well, that's why there was some issues there or, you know, different ingredients that were popular. Maybe that were like uh, cash cows for different cultures. Well, we've exhausted our resources of whatever. So now we used to live on quinoa and now we only have white rice. Uh, what are we going to do? So, oh, man, I love lots some of quinoa. Right. Yeah, it's hard to go right from, from quinoa to white rice. Right. It really is. Yeah. There's no taste. Once you've had the right. quinoa. Yeah. It's, it's just so much better. Nutritionally dense. So once you leave it, you, my kid you just does only not, carbs. My oh. kid does not like brown rice. And it's always like, what are you doing? It's so much more flavor. So nu- like you yep. like nuts. nuts. It's, it's nutty. got that like kind of nutty, yeah. crispy flavor. And she's like, no, I just want white rice with nice. tons of sauce on it. I'm like, eh. of course. Yeah. Well, they like sauce. Well. They do like the Szechuan sauce. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. That's always good. With mostly sriracha just all over there everything. There you go. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So we've got like four different ideas of things that we're going to yep. work on going forward. Right, I'm add it to hungry. The list. Where can, I know I am too. Uh, where can we find out about all these things as they happen as well as what you're doing My for big shtick is Twitter. So Mike underscore Harris and that's H-A-R-A-C-Z. It's spelled just like it sounds. Yes. I'm also on the old <laughs> Facebook and the old Instagram. And if you're a professional uh, brand that wants to try to get a Dungeons and Dragons game going, you can find me on LinkedIn too. I use it. Can no. You, no one here uses LinkedIn. Oh, you got it? All right. 
other than me. One person has one person <laughs> like, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, so yeah, you can find me on there. Um, I'm probably gonna be out doing more. You know, well, I've got other things that I may be doing in the future, so I'm sure I'll be around. So sweet. All right. Well, awesome. Yeah. Hope you come awesome. back to Seattle anytime. You, you give me the invite, I'm here. I'll I'll trek. You know, I'll I'll. Find a way to get here. Find a way. Somebody's paying for me to come here. I don't know who it's <laughs> going to be. If it has to be me, I'll do it. But. Chef Mike will find a way. Chef Mike. Always. Nice. Always. Awesome. Well, thank it. you so much for being here. Thank uh, you very Really much. exciting. Good conversation. And uh, we are going to close it out. Yes. 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 That was such a good interview. I yes. learned so much about how to cook that I will never be able to use. Well, now you – but you can when I you can. host your friends for your – your Waterdeep games. That's true. You're right. I'll start doing um, uh, a charcuterie. Yes. As well as some. No, that's what Waterdeep is known for. That's what they're known for. Yeah, exactly. Well, they want meats and cheeses. Yes. In this piece. Food and gaming goes together. It really does. So, yeah. I think this is great. It makes perfect sense. Um, and I'm glad you, you got to meet Chef Mike. And that you did too. Well, because you've been pen pals with him for a while. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, one thing that is is pretty cool that's coming out soon is uh, the Essentials Kit. You'll be able to find it everywhere yes. on uh, September 3rd. Um, it has everything in a box that you need to play Dungeons & Dragons. We've been playing Gotta it here that. in the office uh, yeah. with uh, a couple of uh, new folks getting into Dungeons & Dragons for the first time. And it's been really easy to Dungeon Master, uh, which Are I've been doing. It? Yeah, it's just easy to just jump right in and awesome. uh, uh, start doing some quests. Uh, role play is easy right off the bat, so um, it's it works. It works really well, and you'll all be able to get your hands on that on September 3rd. It's very good. It's very it's good. It's gotten great reviews. Yeah, um, I can't give that box enough high fives, as well as like Chris Perkins and you know Jeremy Crawford and bam, the people who work bam, on it. They, they, they deserve high fives as well. But Yeah, they do. Yeah, uh, but it has been fantabulous. Um, and, uh, of course... We've got PAX West coming next week uh, as we're recording this. Uh, it will be out. Are you kidding it'll me? It'll be starting. It actually, is. If you're listening to this in podcast form, it'll be tomorrow when PAX Holy begins. Holy cow. Um, and that means Acquisitions Incorporated all the time. There what? are so much uh, going on about uh, the book, Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, lots of introductory adventures that you can play if you're at PAX West. So look at the schedule and see if you can yes. jump on and sign in for that. And then, of course, everyone at home uh, who, who can't make it up to Seattle for the convention, watch Acquisitions Incorporated, the show with Jeremy Crawford and an amazing group playing uh, through some Avernus content, I believe. So, uh, oh, that's going to that. be fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there will be a lot of uh, uh, good tidbits to learn from there, and uh, it's going to be really exciting. It's at the Paramount Theater this year. Did you know? <gasps> no. Yeah. They, uh, Pretty soon it's going to be like Questfield. <laughs> I mean, really. Right. Uh, next time it's going to be getting bigger. Uh, on the moon. On the moon. I want it to be on the moon. It'd we'll be, be there. Really cool. Um, so that is, I believe, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on Friday, August 30th. Is that right? Is that a week from today? It is. Yeah. Uh, and we will be having lots of recordings. Oh, it's Friday night. It is okay. Friday night. Uh, we will be having lots of recordings about people who are stopping in uh Town for PAX West. So next week, uh, I'm not here. Uh, Did tune I tell in you? for that. Twitch.tv/slash DND. Watch for that. Shelly won't be there, but I think I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Mark Humes will be here. Oh wow! Uh, so he might uh, take lucky, over some lucky. fun now co-hosting. I, oh, now yeah. I really want to be here. Exactly, and uh, we have some great guests. Uh, I believe. Um, fun. Uh, yes, it'll be it'll be great. So, You'll be fine. Um, 
Any other fun things to talk about before we start our sign-off here? No, let's... I mean, we've talked about them. Yeah? We, we, all of them? A lot of them. You know what? I, I put this on, on Ryan, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this improving on the fly. Um, this podcast uh, is not just done by me and you. I don't know if people know that, but... Shelly and I are, are, are the talkers. Uh, but Ryan Marth is audio engineer and producer extraordinaire for making this happen. Blue. Lisa Carr uh, uh, works with Ryan on helping us book guests Yay. and uh, getting all the information for that. So thank you to her. Thank you to Pelham Green Woo! for uh, manning so many things about Dragon Talk, but making the live streams happen as yeah. well as uh, assistance throughout. And, and the uh, moderators. And the mods. Thank you. Stay on their toes. To all of the mods on the Twitch channel for when we record this. You are all awesome, and uh, you get some high fives from us. Yes. Um, thank you. So I think, uh, in honor of that, we should you know, kind of find some treasures in this cave to see if and it's possible. And give it out to people? Yeah, we'll give it out to all those people that we just thanked. Do you think that's a good idea? I see something shiny up there. Oh my gosh! What is that? I don't know. Can you touch you it? Reach for it. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go grab it. I'm gonna go grab. Ah, oh, yeah! Ah, ah, the huge statue is attacking me! Ah!